When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and by The Barrel Club in Oak Lawn. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Hello, my friends, and welcome into the latest installment of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the Locked On Blackhawks Podcast. Jay, it's been a minute since we've spoken. Feels like it's been a lot longer than it has been. It's only been five days, but the Blackhawks have played three games in that time. Largely good, then some bad. They didn't have a wonderful night against the hurricanes last night no. so there's a lot to talk about there is a lot to talk about and before we talk about it make sure you're following the show on twitter at madhouse pod you can send us an email madhousepod at gmail.com make sure you subscribe rate five stars and leave a positive review for the podcast if you don't like us don't leave a review that's not helpful just keep it to yourself my grandma always said if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all but if you have nice things to say say them on the internet that would be helpful we also have a big show announcement to make today, James. Ooh, sneaky. I like mm-hmm. it. I wonder how long we should make the people wait for that. Hmm. Let's tell them in the second segment just to keep them listening. I like this idea. <laughs> well, you mentioned it. Uh, a lot of good and one not so good. We should probably start with Tuesday night's loss to the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I did my lockdown podcast last night right after the game, and uh, my take was kind of like, while I want to be all fired up and pissed about the performance, I just think it was one of those nights where I just couldn't get anything going. Like every pass hit a skate, every shot was blocked. You could see the frustration. They didn't revert to, you know, the dump it in and not go get it sort of a thing. But then listening to Jeremy Cowton's comments, he questioned the effort. He questioned the battle. He questioned the readiness of the team. So I thought it was sort of interesting. It just seemed to me like there were plays there that the Hawks had. But for whatever reason, they just couldn't complete. The pass was off or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they get that goal and they and they find this burst of energy. Um, I don't know. I, I wonder how you saw it because I, I was frustrated by the game, but there was nothing that overly alarmed me just because I saw what they were trying to do. They just couldn't find their legs and couldn't find the, I don't know, couldn't find the accuracy with anything they were trying to do. And maybe that is preparedness. Maybe it is energy level but I don't know I I wasn't as upset about the game as I thought I would be if that makes sense it makes total sense to me I think the first period of the game I can kind of see what Jeremy Colleton was saying it looked like they were sleepwalking a little bit they just weren't sharp it kind of reminded me of the game against the San Jose Sharks a few weeks ago but you know that was obviously 60 minutes of it last night was about 20 minutes of it I thought they looked really sluggish you could tell it was you know third game in four nights kind of thing against one of the best scoring offenses in the NHL sometimes you're just going to run into the kind of buzzsaw that the Carolina Hurricanes are they're a really fast team who could score a lot of goals they're very 
defensively aware. Like they're definitely better at closing out on guys than a lot of teams. The Blackhawks have been playing lately. Obviously they get solid goaltending as well. Like the Carolina hurricanes are a very well-rounded team. And I know they've been kind of streaky this season, but there is a reason that they're, you know, when you see those little uh, diagrams that show like if the team's in the upper right-hand corner of the graph, it <laughs> yes. means that they're good. There's a reason the hurricanes are there. They're, yeah. I think, just like I said, a well-rounded team. And sometimes you do just run into that where the Hurricanes were well-rested. They had been in Chicago for several days. They clearly were lying in wait for the Blackhawks. And they came out and they looked really sharp. So the first period, you're like, yeah, the effort level was kind of meh. They were sluggish. They didn't look good. But I thought as the game went on, I thought the effort level mattered less and less. And what mattered to me was that they were starting to – punch back a little bit against the hurricanes. And we saw that in the third period, it was like the arena got hit by lightning in the third period when Eric Gustafson scored that goal, like the place just came alive. The hurricanes were reeling after that. The Blackhawks got to within a goal. And I honestly think that the possession numbers probably tell a little bit better of a narrative than what Jeremy Colleton was talking about with the effort level. Like, yeah, First period was rough, but as you saw in the second and third periods, the Blackhawks ended up turning the tide in that, and then possession ended up being just about even for the rest of the game. And I know the you know hardcore stat heads are going to come at me with score effects and all that stuff, but I do feel like that's an accurate representation of how the tide of the game kind of flo- ebbed and flowed for the Blackhawks. And I'm just I'm not going to get overly worked up about the fact that they essentially lost by a goal to what I consider to be one of the best teams in the NHL. Yeah, and going into that game, the Carolina Hurricanes were on top of the league in uh, possession and Corsi 4 rating at 5-on-5. Five five. They're near the top in high-danger chances for percentage. They, they're they a good team, and they do, like you said, match up well with the Hawks because of their speed. They're a team that you saw them, with their speed alone, create several odd-man rushes, several breakaways, and fortunately, once again, Robin Leonard was up to the task to keep the Hawks in the game. Um, but I, I, look, you can look at the shots on goal and the possession numbers and all those things, and that's going to be pretty much every Hawks game this year. They're going to give up a lot of scoring chances and a lot of shots on goal. It's just the sort of team they are. There's not a whole lot they can do to fix it either because aside from reshaping the entire roster – Nothing's you can't really just do that, right? The ability to just like let's get faster doesn't really exist. Yes, you could call up Adam Boquist if you wanted to. That would certainly add some speed to the team. When Drake Kajula comes back, you can put him in the lineup. That'll help a little bit, but it's not going to change the overall makeup of your team. So I think we're just going to have to sort of deal with these track meet kind of games. And I, I look at and hopefully I'm right, and hopefully I'm not just being the eternal optimist as I usually am. I feel like last night's loss to Carolina was a blip on the radar. I think what we saw over the last three or four games is closer to what the Hawks will be. Now, look, they're not going to go beat teams like Nashville 7-2 to every time and beat up a sleepwalking Buffalo Sabres 4-1 to every time, but they're going to be in more games. They're going to create a lot of offense and generate a lot of offense. I think that's what the Hawks look like from here on out. And look, tomorrow night against Tampa is a big test. That's a really good team. They had a historic regular season last year. So let's see. Let's see how the Hawks react to that bad game against Carolina. They were due for a letdown. They've been playing so well. Hopefully it's just a blip on the radar and not a trend downwards. Because if that's the case, Tampa, Dallas twice, Colorado twice, if you struggle against Dallas and Colorado, that can put you in a really bad spot Mm -hmm. playoff-wise because all the teams the Hawks are chasing won last night. So that's, you know, that was yeah. that was a tough two points to drop. Yeah, just remember after that Tampa game, they have five straight games against Central Division opponents because you've got two against Dallas, two against Colorado, and then you've got the Blues coming into town on December 2nd. So What? December gonna... 2nd? Oh, oh. oh, you tease. Interesting. Ooh, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> let's just tell them early. Let's just let's, right. let's, let's spill God, the you're beans. You're like the kid on Christmas who <laughs> can't wait to open his gifts, man. I, oh, that's definitely me. That was me. Dude, I got it before we tell before we say what's happening on December 2nd. When I was a kid, I used to sneak downstairs overnight and just like check out under the tree like, "All right, what's the, like when everybody was asleep like 2 in the morning." Mm-hmm. One year I came downstairs and I turned the corner and I almost had a heart attack 
my parents or Santa brought me a life-size Wayne Gretzky cutout, but it was like just standing next to my tree. <laughs> so I come downstairs and I come around the corner. I'm like, Dad, there's a dude in my gr- uh, there's a guy in my living room. That's no, just Wayne Gretzky. He won't do anything. He's harmless. Wayne Gretzky is Santa Claus. Breaking news on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. He delivers all all his presents from behind the goal. Okay, so December second. <laughs> Uh, you guys have heard us talking about Barrel Club, 4910 West 111th Street, com. We've been telling you about their NHL flight, the Guy Lafleur whiskey, the Eddie Belfour whiskey, the Wayne Gretzky whiskey. We're going to have a live podcast on Monday, December 2nd, when the Blackhawks face off against the Blues. Details are still being worked out, but make sure you save that date. Make sure you join us at Barrel Club. Uh, we're going to try to have some Madhouse podcast swag there, maybe some T-shirts. We'll definitely have some bumper stickers for sale um, we're going to have Barrel Club is offering 88 cent specials in honor of Patrick Kane. So it's going to be a good time. So I think the way it's going to work is we're going to do a pregame talk before the game, maybe 10, 15 minutes before the game, just sort of set up the game, preview it. We'll do some Q&As during the intermissions. And then when the game ends, we'll record a live Madhouse podcast postgame show, which should be a lot of fun. So make sure you join us at Barrel Club. December 2nd, BarrelClubIllinois.com. When we have more details, we'll share them all on our social media accounts and our uh, you know Facebook page and all those things. So keep that date in mind. December 2nd, we'll tell you about it a lot, but it's coming up soon. It's two weeks from, uh, it, it's a week from this coming Monday. So make sure you're ready. Make sure you make plans to join us. That game's at 7.30, so we'll probably kick things off around 7.15 right before game time. So hope you can make it. Anyway, even if you can't, go check out our friends at Barrel Club and BarrelClubIllinois.com. Join their Spirit of the Month club. That's going to be exciting, and that's going to be a really big game, and hopefully the Blues are a less boring opponent than they've been for most teams this year. Oof. <laughs> well, I mean, they are the defending Stanley Cup champions, Jay. Don't forget. That's true. All right, let's, let's you know, we spent time on the Carolina game, which was not great. And you mentioned, by the way, I wanted to uh, put a bow on this before we wrap it up. You mentioned how the possession numbers sort of evened out. You're right. At the end of the game, the uh, Corsi 4 percentage was 53-47 to 47 in favor of Carolina. Uh, shot attempts were 54-48. to 48. High danger chances, Carolina had 13. The Blackhawks had 9. So when the smoke cleared, it wasn't quite the blowout, it seemed. But, yeah, that was 48 minutes of bad. But let's talk about some of the good the Blackhawks had in those wins over Nashville and Buffalo, and as I'm watching that Predators game, I was just like, is this happening? Am I am I seeing this? Because I think, you know, the Vancouver win, then you had the 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 shootout loss to the Penguins, then the Vegas win, and the Toronto wins, and you're like, all right, they're starting to figure it out. Like, it looks like they could be somewhere, and that Nashville game sort of felt like the reckoning, like, but Nashville's coming, and Nashville just kicked their ass, and this could be the, the rude awakening, and then they go into Nashville and just toy with them. That was that was remarkable, and I think that was the moment where I was sort of like, okay, maybe I'm starting to believe in this team a little bit here. Yeah, that was a remarkably satisfying game. I mean, after the comments that Pecorine made about it being one of the easiest uh, shutouts of his life the last time they played them, yeah, it was kind of fun to watch him uh, get chased from the ice, and I'm kind of surprised that the uh, Predator fans weren't cheering his name. Isn't that what they do for goaltenders down there? Yeah, you know, it's time for them to stop that. Like, it's one thing when you're an original, like you're a new franchise and you're trying to teach your fans, like, this is hockey and this is how you pay attention and we want to keep you engaged in the game. They've been around a long time. It's probably time to retire the old, uh, it's all your fault goalie chant. It's just, it's just weird. It's like, so, yeah, it's you know what? I, I'm a, I'm a little bit more okay with it than you are because I like fan engagement. I just like to give them crap about it when their team gets the crap kicked out of them. Like, yeah. that's, kind of where i'm at with it all right i just feel like it's so rarely the goalie's fault that it just doesn't make sense hey at least they know the goalie's name like most of the time they do get it right other than like a handful of instances where like scott darling was in that and they were chanting crawford for some reason (laughs) all right yeah screw those people uh you know i've had a lot of negative experience i'm trying really hard not to be the fun police i just i think that you know when you're uh goaltender talks a bunch of smack and then uh gives up five or six goals i think that uh you deserve it just saying yeah yeah i guess so i you know i i it's uh 
It just, I, I think it just, I don't know why it annoys me so much. I think because I've been to games in Nashville and I've had some not so great experiences, like just being there, people screaming at me, like, I'm just, I'm sitting here reading my program, sir. The game doesn't start <laughs> for 20 minutes. Like, why are you in my face? Well, people obviously know that you're Jay Zawoski oh, yeah. and that you're a famous Blackhawks uh, fan. And so they, they feel compelled to give you yeah. crap. Yeah, that's definitely what's happening. Has uh, anyone asked you to sign an autograph down there yet? No, I've been asked for like two autographs in my life. <laughs> and one is my wife's sarcastic aunt who asks me every time I see her, and it just drives me crazy. Yeah, I've had that happen before, yeah, too. Hey, you're so famous. Well, the other one is, hey, can you get me tickets to a game? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I can't send get your... tickets to a game for myself, but I'm absolutely going to get them for you. I can't send me your credit card info, and I'll God, go on to Ticketmaster. These are some first-world problems, dude. I guess so. I guess you're right. <laughs> By the way, the Bears are in Nashville next year. I think uh, we should do a show road trip. That sounds amazing. They could drink the town dry again, like they did in. Uh, that was the Bears put up like fifty against the Titans that that game. Yep, and uh, so many Bears fans also put back fifty. It was amazing. <laughs> Definitely. Well, what was your thought about that? Like, did that Nashville game mean anything different to you than was that any sort of like um, indicator for you about the season going forward? Or did you just think? Much like the Carolina game last night, was it just kind of a blip on the radar? No, no, no. I think what it ended up, it didn't mean like a lot to me in terms of the big picture, because like I've been telling you for a few games before that, I feel like that's we're in this uh, position right now where it's tempting to overreact to a good stretch of play. Mm -hmm. And I want to see like more of it, obviously. So it was good to see that continue but I'm still kind of withholding like full judgment on the new old system, quote unquote, like for at least a little while longer. I think, though, in the short term, what I really liked was that this was very clearly a game that the Blackhawks circled on their calendar. It was very clearly a game that they wanted to not only go into Nashville and win, but they wanted to dominate the Predators in that game. They were embarrassed the last time they were at Bridgestone Arena. And I think that... It was great to see them play with that kind of purpose. And they went out there and they didn't just beat Nashville. They beat the tar out of Nashville. They beat the spirit out of that team. I loved to see that. Like, I love seeing a good driven Blackhawks team because it's a reminder of what they're capable of skill wise. And like I said, I'm not I'm not going to look at it probably through a bigger picture prism just because, again, it's one of 82. Like, I'm trying really hard to kind of mm -hmm. keep even keeled about this. But at the same time, that revenge angle and that drive that they showed in that game was really impressive to me. And so I'm like kind of having to look at it uh, two different ways. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that, that, that they sort of rallied around that game and wanted to make a statement last night. Late in the game, Patrick Kane gets boarded by Sebastian Ajo. Not boarded, cross-checked by Sebastian Ajo. There's no call. There should have been a call. Kane's pissed about it. The game ends, and there's a little bit of a get-together at center ice after the game. And that's something that we haven't seen from the Hawks in a long time. Like, to see them fired up on the ice, to see them standing up for teammates, to see – and I'm not saying they don't, like, you know – when the time calls for it, they don't get in the, in the guy's face for spraying the goalie or whatever. But just to see, like, Taze was out there, and DeBrinkett was out there, and Kane was out there, and those guys were in the face of the Carolina Hurricanes. That's some... I don't know. There's so, there seems to be some sort of... Uh, some sort of fire was lit. And I, I don't know if it's just missing the playoffs for two years and then getting off to a bad start this year that's kind of gotten these guys... I don't know, maybe it's gotten them kick-started a little bit. Maybe mm. they realize they can't just coast to victory. If it took them that long, it's a little crazy. But maybe they're kind of learning, like, look, we've got to put up a fight in these games. We can't get pushed around. We can't get skated around. Um, and, and I was happy to see that sort of a reaction. And, look, you know, anyone who's listened to this podcast for any of our five years knows I'm not like a big drop-the-gloves-and-turn-momentum thing. I'm not into that. It's just, it doesn't work. It's It's proven to not work. But to see a team stick together and rally together – after their star gets cross-checked into the boards in a big moment and a game where they were about to where they could have tied the game if there was a penalty called to see the Blackhawks pissed off on the ice again was a nice thing to see should there have been a penalty called on that play yes the, Kane I, did not have the puck 
Yep. He was going towards the puck, and Aho cross-checked him into the boards, and the puck arrived as Kane fell on it. That's you could have called a interference. couple different penalties Th- yeah, on that, it, I think. That's at least like, interference. Yeah, I honestly, like, I would have been okay with either a cross-check or an interference on that play. I do... I'm not a big like, oh, the referees suck. There's a lot going on, oh, sure. including a little pl- a little rubber disc that can you know <laughs> potentially cause serious bodily harm. Like I understand if like a referee misses something occasionally, but that one was pretty blatant and it really should have been called. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not up in arms about it. I do think it was just it just happened to be a call that they missed. And like you said, there's an empty net situation going on. There's more skaters on the ice than usual. It's just total chaos. And maybe a sight line was blocked or whatever, but I think that was a missed call. But look, it's the Hawks should have showed up for the first 48 minutes. Maybe then they wouldn't have had to worry about it. By the way, right. I want to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. For all your team and corporate outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. They are our longtime sponsor. Uh, email Chris at TripleThreatSports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, tomorrow night's game. I, I think this is going to be a really good test for the Blackhawks, much like Carolina was and much like Nashville was, I'm I'm very interested to see the response in this game. You know, it was disappointing that the game against Carolina was at home and they came out so flat. Hopefully they sort of feed off the fire they had at the end of the Carolina game and come ready to play the game against Tampa right away. And I think we sort of talked about it early and, and we didn't really spend too much time on it, but Jeremy Cowton flat out called out their effort and preparedness against the Carolina Hurricanes. Why don't we play that audio real quick and then get into previewing the Tampa Bay Lightning game. They were first to a lot of pucks. They won, uh, you know, they, they really are, they were really aggressive on the forecheck and it seemed like every single wall battle they came out with a puck and then it's hard to play because we, we couldn't generate anything because we never had the puck and we couldn't, um, couldn't get out under control, couldn't get a forecheck going and, uh, you know, they, to their credit, they did a good job, but we needed to respond earlier and better. So um, I thought we, we got skating in the third, and you know, obviously we got momentum from the goal, but uh, I thought we had some good shifts before that where we created some offense. We also got a couple saves from Robin to keep it 3-0, and uh, you know, we just, we just got to start playing earlier. Apologies for the audio issues on that audio from the Blackhawks website. There's obviously some sort of audio feeding into the background so yeah there you heard it jeremy Cowan just sort of saying the team wasn't ready they weren't sharp they were losing board battles that's not a recipe for success um so hopefully with tampa here a good team with a lot of really good players the hawks are ready to go from the opening jump yeah and i know that obviously tampa has not been off to the start that they were no. last season currently four points out of a playoff spot that's they crazy. do have some games in hand on philadelphia and pittsburgh but yeah, like you said, they just they have so many good pieces on that team that it's always hard to, you know, look at that and as the game that it's like, oh yeah, the Blackhawks can win that. It is going to be obviously a struggle, kind of like it was against Carolina, but at the same time, we've seen them rise to the occasion several to- several times in the last few weeks when they've faced adversity. I think the Blackhawks have shown they do have some backbone whether that's the Vegas game going down to nothing whether that's going into Nashville, you know, a couple weeks after they'd gotten the tar kicked out of them and returning the favor Carolina game last night at the end where they were standing up to Ajo and the hurricanes. I think that this is definitely one of those games where they could potentially make a statement before they go into uh, a stretch of divisional play. And Tampa Bay is a really solid team and teams really are, still looking at them as a threat in the east and i think that it's definitely uh a good time for the blackhawks to be like look if we want to prove that we can beat tough teams this is a great place to start and i think that we should hopefully see some fire like you said some momentum and hopefully fingers crossed we will not see the line blunder have to come back out again tomorrow night at the UC. that's a good question i'm glad you mentioned that And, and you're right tampa bay is off to a disappointing start I don't buy that they're bad. I, I, I know that you look at the metrics and they say they're not great. They're under 50% in overall Corsi while they have a high PDO. It, it tells you on paper they're not very good, but that team last year was an absolute juggernaut, and I think sooner than later they're going to figure things out. So the lines were changed for the third period uh, in last night's game. You had uh, Doc out there with K 
Kane and DeBrinkett. You had Carpenter with Stroman, Nylander. You had Kampf with Smith and Kubelik. And you had Taze with Saad and Shaw. I'm going back to the lines that started the game for the Tampa game. I'm not leaving those third-line blender lines together. Um, what are you doing? you think they should make a change, or do you think they should just sort of go back to what had been working for them over the last stretch here? I think that the uh, the changes that they had made uh, last night, those were definitely kind of a wake-up call. I think that, like you, I think like you said, you go back to what was working. I thought those combinations were well-balanced, and I thought you were getting uh, good production out of the guys that you needed to get good production out of specifically your Stroms, your Tabeses, your Canes. I, I know that Kane still had two assists last night because he's just been on a ridiculous tear lately, but I, I think it'd be a good idea to go back to what was working. I think that you need those guys, especially in a home environment where you can kind of dictate the matchups. I feel like you definitely need to uh, go back to what was working, and that is to get those top six guys going again. And yeah. I, I know that last night you switched it up because of what was going on in the game and uh, Colleton didn't like the energy level and he wanted to kind of shake things up. I still say you go back to what was working. Yeah, the the crazy thing is that the top line, Taves, Nylander, and Saad, over the last like three or four games, they've been way high in possession, like, 50 or, like 55 or 60% in every game, including last night, where Kane, DeBrinckit, and Strom are consistently finishing as the bottom three Blackhawks in possession. It's kind of crazy. And and last night they were like, Strom was like a 22% or something. Like some ridiculously low possession number for doing Strom last night. And again, it's one game. You can't glean too much from it. Um, and, you know, they probably didn't have the matchups they wanted all game and whatever. But it's interesting to see, like, the line we think of as the most dynamic is the one that seems to have the puck the least. It's just when they have it, they do good things with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of wild, right? Like, the that possession number is always so weird when you look at that line, and they do obviously get a lot of offensive zone opportunities, but I don't know. Is there any way to reverse that? I don't really – I don't see anything in particular that they're really doing wrong. Like, are you really going to be like, okay, Patrick Kane, I need you to really – uh, four check hard in the neutral zone and I need you to really go get the puck back like at the detriment of your you know offensive ability I need you to really focus no you're not gonna do that you want Patrick Kane skating up the ice trying to get breakaways like that's you know cost of doing business I think yeah agreed I, I don't see any any big changes coming but it's just it's interesting that the line that we all think of is like okay these guys are the threat and they are Patrick Kane's got like 400 points in his last 10 games it's insane he's been on an absolute terror. So it's funny to see, like, that's why you and I are, I think are good about reminding people that while metrics are cool and fun and they tell a little bit of the story, it's not the whole story by any means. It's just kind of a, a way to measure things. Um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. All right, let's, let's take a quick time out. When we come back, we want to tell you about a, another 2010 Blackhawk that will be honored at the United Center on Thursday night. And I have some thoughts about this one, James. I'm curious... If you do too, but first I want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street, family owned and operated since 1933. Go visit Joe and his family there. Try the poor boy. Try James's favorite, the Yodel Burger. They've got the twice baked potatoes, which are the size of a mini Nerf football. They've got uh, the great onion rings, the craft beer menus to die for. Everything at Marishka's is terrific. You'll love it. You'll go back again and again. So go visit them. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. Marishkas.com or Facebook.com slash Marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile. Empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. News, laws, and regulations are changing by the day. We get it. 
And at ADP, we're here to help guide you with up-to-the-minute compliance expertise so you can pay your people accurately and on time, regardless of what each new day may bring. Learn more at ADP.com. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is Jay Zawoski. With me, actually, he's out in Bourbon A on this fine... What is it like outside? Is it cold? It looks cold. This fine it was no- pretty nice, actually, when I was out earlier. The sun was out, which always helps at this time of year. Oh, and uh, it's not windy either, which is also a plus. All right, well, I want you guys to know about our friends at Rabbit Brewing. Uh, they joined our podcast last season and were actually two seasons ago, and we're thrilled to have them as part of things. They've been a great partner for us. If you want to go try some incredible and creative draft beers, and look, when I say creative, I'm not talking about gimmicky. Right, it's not like here's a chocolate cake beer. No, there's none of that crap. This is all like serious, serious stuff. But it's also creative. It's delicious, and it's not just a it's not just a contest to kill you with with as many hops as possible. Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. They're on Brett's Drive, right behind the Home Depot, off of Halstead. Here are some of the beers they offer, and the the menu's always rotating, which I love because you might fall in love with one of their beers, and you're like, no, try something new. Love something new. And every time I try something new, I love that just as much. The Dwarves of Doom, Chocolate Coffee Imperial Stout. The Dripping Teat is their Lactose IPA. The Shadow Stepper is the Chocolate Milk Stout. My favorite is the Hexed. That's the Blackberry Apricot Ale. There's an American Wheat. There's an APA, Imperial IPA, a Belgian Double, American Pilsner, Juicy IPAs, Juicy DIPAs. Is it a DIPA? DIPA? Is that what they call those? Or is it just a, a DIPA? I don't know. I don't I'm know. not a big IPA guy, but I'll tell you, that Juicy Deepa, 8.2% alcohol. Enjoy one or two of those and then take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Go visit our friends at Rabbit Brewing. The time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Before the break, we mentioned a 2010 Blackhawk being honored with one more shift. And I'm not sure how Blackhawks fans feel about Brian Campbell. Um, I know that he signed for a huge deal here and made them instantly better, instantly credible. But I feel like for a lot of that deal, people are like, we've got to get rid of this contract. It's too big for what he brings. We're losing too many other important players. But for me, Brian Campbell signifies a major change in the organization. He was the first big free agent to recognize and choose the Blackhawks. He was the first one who had offers from a lot of teams. He was the top free agent available that 2009 season. And he said, I like what the Blackhawks are doing. I see the direction they're headed, and I want to be part of it. To me, Brian Campbell and his signing, whether you liked how it worked out or not, that to me signified probably maybe not as much as the Hosa signing because that was really just unbelievable. But that to me was, while the Hawks are considered by people outside of Chicago as a legit destination now, and I had not seen that in my entire lifetime. So I'm happy they're choosing to honor Brian Campbell with one more ship. Plus, he's a really good dude. Yeah, the good dude element does definitely play into it. And obviously, currently with the club, he's what a player development coach, I think is his That's exactly title. You, you can definitely see him being an, a head coach at some point, I think. Like, I really do think that Brian Campbell will end up behind an NHL bench at some point. And not a moment too soon because he's not great on TV. But I, I will I will say that I think that you're absolutely right in the way that uh, Campbell kind of redefined the Blackhawks franchise. Like, yeah, they had the young guys and Kane and Taves and like there was a little bit of excitement starting to build. But uh, much like John Lester when he signed with the Cubs, I feel like it just, it signifies kind of a change in the way people are looking at the team. And I know it's not the exact same situation because he didn't go on to like, you know, immediately like lead them to playoff glory or anything like that. Didn't become the greatest signing in franchise history kind of thing. But at the same time, yeah, that reputation change was worth so much. And honestly kind of laid the groundwork for them to feel confident enough to go out and give a 12-year contract to a Marion Hosa. Like that really is kind of what, you know, set the table for all of the things that ended up following. And I do also have to say that I didn't think he was necessarily great 
in the 2009-10 season when they did win the Stanley Cup. The season after that, though, after they had lost a bunch of guys, partly because of Brian Campbell's contract, I thought it was his best season as a Blackhawk. I thought he had a really good 2010-11 season. They did end up trading him to Florida after that year, but I, I appreciated the fact that not only did he kind of pave the way for what was to come with the Cups and with Marion Hossa and for all of that, I appreciated how hard he worked in that final season that he was with the Blackhawks before that trade. I thought that it was a real testament to the guy that Brian Campbell is, and it's also a testament to how good of a player that he was. So I... I, I know you and I, like when we were discussing Dave Boland getting one more mm-hmm. shift, I know we'd mentioned Brian Campbell was probably going to get one. I think it's a fitting tribute to him. It's funny, James. I was doing the um, – I'm, I'm working hard on my book. I've got a lot of time off of the score here, so I'm just kind of pounding out chapters because I've put it off big time. Yesterday I was doing the Winter Classic uh, chapter on the Wrigley Winter Classic and just seeing like some of the guys that were on that team – that we've just totally forgotten about, like, you know, Colin Frazier and Craig Adams and, like, Chris Ball-Huey was a starting goalie in that game, and Nikolai Hobby-Bullen was the backup in that game, and he actually went in after Huey gave up six goals. It's like, there have been so many... mass was dope, by the way, It was cool. Game. Yeah, it was had the big marquee on the forehead. Oh, um, yeah. Too bad the back of the net had a big target on it. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny, like, all these kind of character guys that come and go... And Brian Campbell was both a character guy and a high performer. Uh, so just, I'm very happy to see him uh, get one more shift. Dude totally deserves it. He uh, prioritized making Chicago his home even after his career. Uh, and I think you're right. I, I don't know how quickly he'll be behind an NHL bench as a head coach, but you never know. And he is the guy, by the way, who's working very closely with Adam Boquist right now. Um, they're sort of like left and right hand with each other uh, because – Look, that you're looking at you want to max out Adam Boquist, it might be Brian Campbell. And that would be a really good thing if they could do that. And what's funny is I asked Boquist about it in training camp when I went to the uh with the meet and greet before the it was before training camp actually. What or was it? Was it at Blackhawks convention? convention? Yeah, it was at the convention. Oh no, no, I don't it like was, talk. I, no, it was I, a prospects I, camp. I'm sorry, it was a prospects camp. Wow, okay. Because so, he was sweaty. <laughs> That's how I remember. And hey, I'm like, he may have been sweaty at convention. You don't know that. Well, he was in a hockey pants too, which that dead giveaway. But yeah. um, so I said to him, you know, Brian Campbell was that sort of a guy you modeled your game after, and he's like, well, I was too young to watch him when he played. I don't remember him playing. Like that, it wasn't that. It wasn't that long ago. Did you want to hit him with a folding chair? No, I just wanted to like crumble up and die. I was, I was like, <laughs> oh my god, I feel such an old man. And the other thing that I had forgotten about that Winter Classic. Chris Chelios played for the Red Wings in that game. 46-year-old Chris Chelios. Yeah, he did. <laughs> God. Who, do you remember who their starting goaltender was in that game? Um, No. I believe it was Ty Conklin. I believe that's I believe correct. he started the first two Winter Classics because he started the first one for Pittsburgh and he started for uh, Detroit in the second one. Yeah, I believe that's correct. This is funny. Like that, It seems so long ago. I guess, it wasn't oh, I guess, that long ago. It was 11 years ago. Right, but like I think just yesterday, watching that video and then realizing it's Patrick Kane's 31st birthday. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, that's that was a painful one yesterday. I can't believe that, man. It's just like the Hawks were showing all the photos of him on Instagram. Like, here he is as a baby and as a little kid. And then the day he was drafted, he's like, oh, he's like this little like pimply nerd. And now he's like a grown-ass man who's got Bobby Hull's hairline and it's just... We've watched this guy's career, you know, blossom from number one overall pick, high hopes, high expectations, then him blowing the expectations out of the water. And now two of the last three seasons he's had have been career years in his thirties. It's it's really unbelievable. By the way, you said before we came back with the segment, you had a Patrick Kane stat you wanted to share. I was going to say that you uh, stole my uh, transitional thunder a little bit there, but uh, it's okay. I accept that. Patrick Kane celebrated his birthday in a very interesting way yesterday, Jay. He tied a Hockey Hall of Famer on the all-time points list. Did you catch that stat? I did not. Maurice Richard had 966 career points in the NHL. Patrick Kane just hit that mark yesterday with his two-assist night against uh, Carolina. So he is now 
in 95th place all time in points in NHL history. Do you know the next player on that list that he will pass once he goes over 972 points? Uh, I don't. I'll give you a hint. He's okay. a douche nozzle. Oh, um, is he currently playing? No, he is not. Keith Kachuk. Oh, it's a good <laughs> guess. Chris Pronger. It is Shane Doan. Oh, I don't hate Shane Doan like you do. Oh, I don't like Shane Doan. Okay. Well, I do not. I'll give it to you. Not, he's not. It's not like he's not on my like high level of vitriol list. But he was kind of a jag. Like I, eh, whatever. Shane um, Doan did it in how many seasons, by the way? Shane Doan played twenty-one seasons. Yeah. So that's a great and all, but Patrick Kane's in what his twelfth season? Yep. Yeah. So. Thirteenth, you know, uh, I think. Thirteenth. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Um. So yeah, he's uh coming up on some uh. Names on the list that I'm not altogether familiar with, uh, but there are some other ones. Uh, Paul Correa is going to be within Patrick Kane's uh, sights this season. He has 966 points. He could get to 1,000 in his career this season. Oh, I think he will for sure. And if he does that, then guys like Steve Larmer are going to be in range of him. Mm-hmm. Lanny McDonald at 1,006 in his NHL career. Uh, like I said, Paul Korea had 989. Kane should easily pass him. And then Pat LaFontaine, 1013. Uh, Evgeny Malkin, by the way, also currently at 1013. So Kane's uh, chasing Malkin a little bit. Interesting that you mentioned Pat LaFontaine. That sort of brings me to a question here. Are you ready to call Patrick Kane the best American-born player ever? <sighs> LaFontaine's on the list. Mike McDonald's on the list. Brett Hull is probably technically on the list because he played for USA. I think he's considered American. I th- By the I, way, do you know how many points uh, Mike Madonna had in his career? Like 1,500 or something, right? 1,374. Yeah, he's a good player for a long time. Pretty damn good. Chris Chelios has an argument as best American-born player ever. Yeah. I, I would say probably right now I – I would put Madonna at the top of the list. Kane is rapidly ascending. I think he he puts in a couple more good years. I think he's got it. I'm down with that. I agree with that. Are you ready to do the email of the show? I'm always ready for the email of the show. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email of the show is always is brought to you by our friends at Chuck Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. I've told you for years about their Cajun, their Mexican, their barbecue, their great bar food, but they've been challenged by a chain. Not directly, but they've seen the hype around that chicken sandwich that everyone's talking about, and they've created their own, the Cajun Buttermilk Chicken Sandwich. It's available now at Chuck's. You're going to want to go taste it. You're going to want to do a comparison, so stop by that other place pick up a chicken sandwich, then head to Chuck's, get theirs, sit down in your car, and have the challenge. I assure you Chuck's will win. Chuck's always wins when it comes to Cajun cooking. So go visit them, Burbank, Darien. While you're there, have one of their seven bajillion beers. That is an accurate number. That was not an exaggeration. Seven bajillion. The The beer menu is literally a Bible, and it's all alphabetical, so you got to find what you want. Seven bajillion. So get out, get out to Chuck's, try their beer, Try their Cajun buttermilk chicken sandwich. I cannot wait to try it myself. And I will report back with full review ratings and everything because I'm a fat guy and I love food and I love Chuck's Cafe, chuckscafe.com. Email of the show comes from our old friend Spike. He says, I know you guys are big Mike Babcock fans. If Colleton doesn't work out, is he an option? It looks like the Hawks have righted the ship somewhat, so I'm thinking his job is safe. But if they slide again and they miss the playoffs and the Leafs fire Babcock, I know it's a lot of ifs. Would you like to see him take over? Hmm. I would. Yeah? Yeah. I think Toronto just wears on people after a while. And I think there's some crazy expectations there. I think there's unrealistic expectations there often. They're a good team, but they're not head and shoulders better than a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think Mike Babcock is a really good coach, and I think getting out of Toronto could be a good thing for him. And much like Joel Quenville, if a guy like that becomes available, you'd be a fool to not check it out. 
Do you think that the Toronto Maple Leafs, who, by the way, are currently not in a playoff spot, they are two points out of the wild card spot and have played two more games than the Philadelphia Flyers. Do you think they're a fringe playoff team or do you think that they're better than the way they've been playing? I think they're better than they've been playing. I don't know if they're significantly better than what they've been playing. I just uh, their defense is not great. They've given up 81 goals this season. That's a lot. Yeah. That that it, they are they bought they obviously score a ton. I mean, how can you not score a ton when you've got Tavares and Nylander and Matthews and ooh, by the way, shave your face, dude. Yeah, just it's give creepy. Up. Yeah. It's awful. They they're a really good scoring team, but they cannot keep the puck out of the net to save their lives. We thought the Blackhawks were bad defensively. They've given up 63 goals this season. Toronto's given up 81. I cannot stress that enough. Toronto's defense and goaltending are putrid. Well, that's a roster problem. I don't blame well, yeah, Mike Babcock for that. Well, fault is that? Is it the boy genius? Could Probably. it possibly be him? Yeah, for sure. I just you you spend all that money on forwards. The chicken comes just the chickens come home to roost on that. So I definitely think it's a roster construction problem more than a Mike Babcock problem. And so I know the shine is probably worn off on Mike Babcock for some people. I'd still give him a look if I was the Blackhawks. They'd give him a very serious look. I think if they end up making the playoffs this year with Jeremy Colleton, though, I think it would be kind of a tough sell to fire him and go get Babcock. Not me. I I don't care. It's much like the Cubs with Ricky Renteria. You got a guy who's a generational type manager or coach that becomes available. I don't worry about hurt feelings. When was the last time you won a Stanley Cup? Um, was it 08? Yeah, it's been 12 years since he won a cup. Can you really still consider him a generational coach? Yes, I think he's still one of the top coaches in the league. And I th- I know I know Mike no, Babcock. No, 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 no. One of the top coaches in the league is not the same as generational. Generational is, that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go get a guy like him. And I don't know if I put him in that class. Would you say Joel Quenville is? Yes, that that was a <clears throat> like and here's the thing though too to remember with Joel is that he was a really good coach. I don't know if he was Joe Madden level when the Blackhawks hired him. Well, that's what winning makes you that, right? That that's and, Well, yeah, and, but he won with the Blackhawks. It's a tough comparison to make because Joe Madden was capable of making average teams good. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's hockey, so it's totally different. It's apples and oranges. It, regardless, I think we're getting caught up in semantics here. I think Babcock is a really good coach. I do well, acknowledge well, the fact, though. Well, it's a podcast. Though, it's, a, it's all about semantics. Right. I do acknowledge, though, that a coach like that has a shelf life. Regardless of how good he is, I think you're only good for five or six years with a team before that sort of attitude, that sort of uh, personality can grate on you. And he's not Mike Keenan. I'm not saying anything like that. But I think mm-hmm. it's just kind of the... You know, the the, uh, the all time all the time seriousness and the intensity can be a bit much, and I think that's why the Toronto thing for me it plays a role in this whole thing. It's already an intense situation in Toronto with just the constant media pressure all the time and the expectation for, okay, John Tavares, you signed here, be amazing, be perfect, be Wayne Gretzky, Austin Matthews. You're a was he number one overall? Yeah, you're number one overall pick. Come here and be a Hall of Fame player. Come here and be a Leafs legend. There's a lot of pressure on those guys to succeed. And I think that sort of Toronto thing can be a little bit toxic. And uh, that weighs on the players alone. And then to have Mike Babcock sort of breathing down your neck doesn't help things either. So I I would, it's probably unlikely that it would happen. But I look, ever, any, any coach with skins on the wall, that's accomplished what Mike Babcock has accomplished. If they, if someone like that becomes available, you have to do your due diligence and at least talk to him. And right, you know, maybe it hurts Jeremy Cowton's feelings in the long run, but I don't know. You've got to do what's best for the franchise. And, it, and oh, if Mike Babcock certainly, yeah, God, yeah, sorry, no, if Mike Babcock becomes available, that could be the best thing to do for your organization. If you meet with him and talk to him and get the feelers out there, you know, I'm sure Scotty Bowman and him have a bit of a relationship. Take Scotty out of mothballs and say, hey, go talk to. Babcock and see how he feels you do it through back channels and then you figure things out yeah I definitely the one thing I will say I definitely agree with you there is that 
hurt feelings do not come into the equation. That's that, that not at all what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about shaking Jeremy Colladin's confidence or anything like that. The only question I have is whether or not this team as currently constructed is going to really fit Babcock's style. And I'm not sure about that based on what we've seen from him in Toronto the last couple of seasons. Yeah, but I think if you're if you're in a, if you're in a situation where you're bringing in a new head coach, which they could be next year anyway, Babcock or someone else, if it doesn't work out with Cowlton, mm-hmm. you're probably looking at if they miss the playoffs for a third year in a row, you're probably looking at a total roster reshaping, mm. and maybe well, not, not again, a full it's, rebuild, it's but going to be. An issue with how much money they're giving to all these guys. Yeah, the expansion draft will be an interesting angle for it. So I don't know. There's bye, bye, a, Brent Seabrook. A lot to happen between now and then, but uh, interesting. Good question, Spike. Got us off on a nice little tangent there, and uh, it's fun to sort of think about these things going forward. Hopefully, the Hawks will play well enough where they don't need to consider bringing in a new head coach. And I look like an ass for the thing I wrote, and I don't care. I'm happy to be an ass if it means the Hawks are winning. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Want to thank our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Rabbit Brewing, the time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and Barrel Club in Oakland, 4910 West 111th Street. Join us at Barrel Club December 2nd. For the Blues game for a live podcast, it's going to be a great time. Hope to see you out there at Barrel Club. For my partner, James Neveau, my name's Jay Zawoski. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile. Empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope. It's Geico. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries. For fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. No, it's from Geico, cause they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more.